Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. Child care is hella expensive. That's why San Francisco is doing something no other city in the Bay has really tried. It's using taxes from commercial landlords to make child care more affordable. This is not something that's some luxury that, you know, you can do without. Almost every family knows that early education is essential to sort of getting kids a leg up in terms of getting ready for school and by virtue of that, ready for life. Money from Baby Prop C started to trickle down to families and child care providers last year, and it seems to be really helping. Today, how Baby Prop C is making a difference in San Francisco and whether other cities could do it too. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. La Bamba Preschool is set up in the bottom level of Corey Santillan's house in Ocean View in the southern part of San Francisco. Daisy Wynn covers early childhood education and care for KQED. I was there a few weeks ago on a very beautiful sunny day. I encountered about mm, 12 kids under a beautiful cypress tree. And the kids were doing circle time. 
They were playing a guessing game <laughs> where the teachers would take out a little toy. The teachers would speak in Spanish, giving them clues as to what the animal is. And then the kids would have to guess. And then she would take out the animal from the bag. Then after that, they sang a couple of songs in Spanish. Daisy, you mentioned Cori Santillan. Who is she and how did she start La Bamba Preschool? Cori is a single parent and an educator, and she's also an immigrant from Veracruz, Mexico. And I am a teacher. I've been teaching for 27 years. She started La Bamba Preschool some 16 years ago during the Great Recession when she was laid off from her teaching job at SF Unified. At that time, she couldn't find the kind of Spanish immersion preschool that she wanted for her daughter. Very difficult. It was challenging for her. So that was didn't work. And there there's many families like me. So she converted the lower level of her home, the basement essentially, into a preschool. And she just wanted uh, not only a program where children are learning uh, Spanish as a second language, she also wanted it to be a play-based program. She turned her backyard into this really lovely space where kids go outside and they can play. We create community, and this is La Bamba. It's our house. They know that this is their place, their safe place. She teaches them singing, dancing, everything. What are some of the biggest challenges that Corey has gone through as she's run this preschool for the last 15 years or so? This is essentially a small business that she's operating out of her home, and um, she just really had a lot of financial struggles. Running a family child care, a small program, it's very difficult. It, everything is super expensive. First, because of the recession, you know, she struggled just to pay her mortgage. The bank was already going to uh, position the property. And then during the pandemic, she was hit pretty hard by it. She told me that she is immunocompromised and she doesn't have health care. She doesn't have health insurance. So I thought that I, it was time for me to say goodbye to this beauty, beautiful program that we have. So she took a huge risk by staying open during the pandemic um, because she knew that the parents in her program really depended on her. They supported me. Like families were scrambling, trying to find ways to, to keep us open. So she turned her backyard basically into an outdoor school. And then more recently, during the, the winter storms, her basement got flooded by underground water that was just seeping through the, the floors. We were collecting over a gallon of water every 30 minutes. It was a lot of water. She took on like heavy damage, which she thought meant she had to close her business for weeks. And so these are just the kind of challenges that have threatened her multiple times. 
So that is a lot stacked up against these early childhood education providers. How are things going for Corey now? Like, what does she say about that? She says things are getting better. Yeah, no, thank goodness that we have Propsy because or else I don't know how we can survive this uh, crisis. She said that city funding from Baby Propsy has helped her to cover the cost of the the storm damage. She received a $15,000 emergency grant to um, install a pump and fix some of the major water damage. It's helping us to stay afloat or else I don't know what we could do. And then she's also seeing a bigger paycheck. She's received a a few stipends from the city that has allowed her to hire a part-time helper, which is very important because she says some of her students are experiencing delays due to being socially isolated for two years. And so now she has extra help to provide more one-on-one attention to those students. Sounds like Corey was able to make repairs and even hire more staff thanks to this new tax money collected by San Francisco. And this is possible, as you just mentioned, because of something called Baby Prop C, which passed in 2018. Is the official name really Baby Prop C? Yeah, it's so that it's not confused with another initiative called Prop C, which I think it's to fund homelessness. Baby Prop C is a tax increase on commercial buildings and warehouses in San Francisco to raise money for child care. And it's the brainchild of um, former supervisor Norman Yee. He was a longtime early education advocate, and he was really worried about the declining children's population in in San Francisco. You probably heard of the joke that, you know, there are more dogs than kids in San Francisco. It's actually true. KQED looked into it, and it is true. Oh, wow. Compared to other major American cities, San Francisco has the smallest share of young people under 18. It's something like 13%. This San Francisco is at the bottom of the list. Experts agree that the high cost of living makes it hard to raise kids in the city. And the cost of child care is astronomical. It can cost up to $27,000 a year or like 20% of the median family income to care for an infant at a child care center in San Francisco. That's a lot of money. It is. Back in 2018, there were more than 2,000 kids on wait lists for subsidized child care. At that time, there were also more than a third of child care workers in the city who were relying on some form of public assistance just to make ends meet. So that tells you that the childcare system is broken because A, parents can't access childcare because it's just too expensive. The providers don't make enough money, so they're relying on subsidies. So there weren't enough childcare workers, essentially. There was a shortage, and that limited workforce in turns limits the number of children that can be served. 
Even though Baby Prop C passed in 2018, it took a minute for this new funding to reach people. Business groups sued to stop this new law, and the case went all the way up to the state Supreme Court. In 2021, the measure finally won, and last year, the city started to actually use this money. And so it sounds like the money is now starting to trickle down to people like Corey. What can we say so far about the impact that this money has had on childcare citywide? That wait list I mentioned has lowered because parents have more access. Before, a parent had to be pretty low income to qualify for financial aid, but now they can make up to 110% of the San Francisco area's median income, which means for a family of four, that's like $152,000 a year. And they can qualify for financial aid. Teachers like Corey are seeing bigger paychecks. And eventually the city's goal is to um, pay them at least $28 an hour minimum, which is considered a living wage. Hmm. The longer-term goal is to reward them with higher pay, like on par with a public school teacher's pay, if they have like a higher educational degree and if they agree to serve low-income children. Because the goal of Baby Prop C is to not only raise the quality of the educators, but to provide a high-quality early education program to the most vulnerable children. All this said, Daisy, what are the challenges that still persist for San Francisco, even with all the opportunities that Baby Prop C has created? City leaders tell me that uh, one of the challenges now is just building up the infrastructure. Um, There just aren't enough facilities to uh, accommodate all the children who are on that wait list, especially when it comes to infants and toddlers. And the reason why is because it's the most expensive kind of child care. Licensed child care facilities have to maintain a very low ratio of adult to child when it comes to babies and infants. You know, we did put uh, about, you know, $20 million out there in this last year uh, to build just over 200 new spaces. Wayman Wong is a deputy director of the um, San Francisco Department of Early Childhood. And he told me that the challenge is building up that infrastructure, providing enough facilities um, catered to um, infants and toddlers in the city. You know, we're going to continue to support uh, building out the facilities, um, especially with the increasing demand for infant and toddler care. Daisy, is it fair to say then that San Francisco is leading on this issue compared to other cities in California or even the Bay Area? Yeah, it's the only city in California that has a guaranteed funding stream for early childhood. Lots of other cities depend on the ups and downs of the um, state and federal budgets. Like some years you get more and then some year you get less. 
Um, or sometimes you depend on like one-time funding, like what we've seen with federal pandemic aid. But this is a permanent source of funding, you know, and it helps stabilize this broken system I mentioned. With higher pay, teachers can actually see a future in the profession. There are places in the Bay Area that have tried to replicate what San Francisco is doing. Last year, South San Francisco tried to sort of copy the baby Prop C model, but voters rejected the idea. In Alameda County, uh, voters in 2020 approved a sales tax increase to um, essentially fund its um, child care system. That measure is being held up in court by a very similar lawsuit, and it's going through appeals right now. Contra Costa County is exploring the idea of a guaranteed income program to help child care workers. And what all of this tells you is that local or regional or state governments have really had to come up with some creative ways to try to stabilize a broken child care system. President Biden tried to introduce universal preschool with his um, Build Back Better plan, but that failed. So short of having some sort of like federal lead, states and local municipalities are kind of, you know, having to figure out how to do it on their own. Daisy, thank you. Thanks, Erica. That was Daisy Wynn, who covers early childhood education and care for KQED. The story is just one part of a series of stories Daisy has worked on on the true cost of child care. To see more, including her story about what the construction industry is doing to recruit more women facing child care barriers, go to kqed.org. This 30-minute conversation with Daisy was cut by senior editor Alan Montesilio. Producer Maria Esquinka scored this episode and added all the tape. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me 
supporting the programs they love, while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.